0: Name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, dear fellow redeemed. Text for our meditation this morning comes from Matthew chapter 2, the gospel lesson. There's nothing that keeps me on the edge of my seat like uncovering a good mystery, learning the characters, investigating the details, cracking the case. The mystery genre has captivated readers for generations with classics like classics like The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, and it's even found a great resurgence among the many detective shows that we have on TV today and most recently the true crime podcast. Now everybody can be a detective trying to solve the case. If you consider yourself a mystery buff, then I hope that you'll see the intrigue of the text that we have before us today because as I studied it, I simply couldn't help but feel like I was unraveling a great mystery. See, there are so many mysteries, both great and small, in the story of the wise men. There we go. So many mysteries, both great and small, in the story of the Magi from the East. Like, who were these mysterious guys, and what about that star? What was that thing like? And we'll spend some time considering each of those questions. Along the way, but we must not let ourselves wander too far from the one wondrous mystery at the center of it all, as our hymn writer invited us in the hymn that the choir saying, Come behold the wondrous mystery. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, let's see the story as it comes. So it begins: after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of king herod here's where we come across our first mystery the first character that we want to learn about king herod and the mystery is how history has given this particular king the title herod the great when you remember all of the other things that this king did sure he had Great building accomplishments, like rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, which bears the name Herod's Temple. And he also built this wonderful palace on top of a plateau called Masada. Right down there on the edge, that was Herod's summer palace on Masada. I actually got to visit there. I got to stand right down there on the edge and look up at there in Israel. It was pretty cool, pretty great building project. Herod also built one of the engineering marvels of the ancient world, the harbor at Caesarea. Sure, he was a great builder, but when you remember the rest of the things that King Herod did, things like murdering or executing most of his own family because he thought that they were conspiring against his sons, uh, against himself, even putting to death his own sons. And after he heard about the birth of the king of the Jews, he decided it'd be a good idea to put to death all the innocent boys under the age of two who lived in Bethlehem. He didn't stop there. Even to his dying day, he was the epitome of sin and greed and evil and power left unchecked. On the day he died he gave the order that all kinds of other prominent officials in Jerusalem should also be executed at the moment of his death so that nobody in Jerusalem would be tempted to rejoice on the day that Herod died. What a guy. How history can remember him as Herod the Great tells you something about the way that we evaluate our heroes. So it was during his tyrannical reign that Magi from the East came to Jerusalem. That brings us to our next question, our next mystery. Just who were these guys? Who were the Magi from the East? And now most of what we probably think we know about the Magi comes from traditions or songs like the popular Christmas carol, We Three Kings. Christmas carol that suggests that there were three and that they were kings. And somewhere along the line, somebody decided that these kings should also have names, Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar. Pretty cool names, but none of that stuff actually comes from the gospel lesson that we heard a moment ago. So what do we actually know about the magi from the east? Well, we know what the word magi meant, that these men were astronomers, astrologers, interested in interpreting omens. And they were not from Israel, they were foreign, probably from the remnants of the Medes and Persians or even Babylonians. We heard about this class of astronomers and astrologers, way back in the story of Daniel. Remember the guy who got thrown into the lion's den? Well, he had been put in charge of the magicians and the astrologers because Daniel was a wise man. And in that story of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that he couldn't figure out what he meant, so he asked all of his magi, the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the enchanters, to see if they could interpret what the dream meant. And they simply could not, because the source of the, the astrology that they had doesn't actually have any authority behind it. So we know a thing or two about who these magi were, And now a mystery, another mystery in this whole question is how and why these guys were waiting and watching for a star and when it appeared, how they knew what it meant that they should go to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. It's an interesting question. I mean, when I look up at the stars, I don't really notice anyone in particular. So how did these guys know what they were supposed to be looking for? This is a mystery we maybe won't solve fully, but we can make at least two biblical inferences about how these guys knew what to look for. For one thing, Daniel had been put in charge of this group of wise men, and we know what a faithful believer he was, even willing to be thrown into the lion's den rather than compromise his faith. And it may have been Daniel's testimony and his faith that he left behind that taught these men to expect a Savior that was coming out of Israel. Another clue that we get comes from even farther back in the history of Israel from a story that maybe you've never even heard or maybe you really have to dig it out of the archives of your Sunday school knowledge It's the story of King Balak and the false prophet Balaam. Now, King Balak was the king of another nation who was not so happy about Israel coming in and destroying all the other nations around. And so King Balak wanted Balaam, the false prophet, to put a curse on Israel. But God did not allow Balaam to curse his chosen people. Instead, God made Balaam into a real prophet for the day. Instead, God made Balaam bless the people. And this is, the one, of, this is one of the things that Balaam said in his oracle. He said, a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And this seems like as good a reason as any that those magi from the east who might have been of that same kind of superstitious religious background as the false prophet Balaam, seems like as good a reason as any that they would have been looking for a star to come out of Jacob, for a ruler to come out of Israel. So when they saw the star They knew what it meant. They packed up their camels and their gifts, and they traveled to Jerusalem to ask their question, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, this brings us to our next question. Just what kind of star was this star that rose in the east? And this has led people to all kinds of different speculations about the planets aligning in some unique fashion so that they lined up and formed this new star. I don't know about all that. These guys, they were astronomers, they were astrologers, and they said it was a star. Now, you have to remember that usually stars themselves don't rise up, just like the sun itself doesn't rise and set. But the earth turns so that it looks like the sun and the stars are rising or setting. But who knows, maybe this star was some miraculous star that God made rise up into the sky to mark this sacred time in the history of the world, to fulfill Balaam's prophecy, and to be a beacon to lead these foreign magi to Christ. Now, isn't it kind of ironic that the Magi, the foreign Gentiles, are the ones who are in the loop? They're the ones who seem to know what's going on. They're the ones who come to Jerusalem to ask them, where's the king born of the Jews? They come to the Jews, the ones who were supposed to be waiting for the shoot from the root of the stump of Jesse, for the ruler whose origins were from of old, for the king to sit on David's throne. The Jews had been waiting for that ruler to come forever. And now these Gentile magi are the ones who come asking about him. Hey, did you guys see the king who was born of the Jews? We saw the star rise. Do you know anything about it? And the Jews were mostly oblivious, and then their oblivion turned way to fear. When King Herod, who King Herod wasn't actually a Jew himself, but he was serving as the king of the Jews. When he heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Now that's the kicker, all of Jerusalem with him. It's not such a big surprise that King Herod was disturbed that any threat to his power would arise. We know what a bad guy he was. But all of Jerusalem with him was disturbed that a star would rise, that this would signify the coming of the ruler that they had been waiting for, the promised Messiah. They were disturbed that the promise was finally coming true. Anyway, at least they knew where to look. At least they still knew academically what the word said, what the prophet said. They still knew that the prophet Micah had said, he will be born in Bethlehem, in Judea. He will be the shepherd of his people, Israel. And so at least the chief priests and the scribes are able to point the Magi in the right direction But what a response from God's people, from God's chosen nation, the one that he had given the covenants and the prophecies and the promises and the laws. First, total oblivion and then fear. And then after that, they just really don't seem to care at all. We don't hear about any of those Jews in Jerusalem going with the Magi to worship the newborn king of the Jews. Seems like after that, they just really didn't care. Fear and then apathy. What a response to the birth of their Savior. It's a mystery that goes beyond me, but a mystery that is perhaps simply explained by what sin does to the human heart. See, at its essence, sin is unbelief, a darkness intent on choking out every light of life and grace and truth. And this darkness is a very part of us, not created that way, not there originally, but this darkness is an intruder bent on keeping us in darkness. And we see that darkness in the world around us. We see all the evil that happens. This past week while I was on vacation, I was listening to one of those true crime podcasts about two grandmothers. Their names were Helen and Olga. And at the beginning they sound like they could have been members at Mount Olive. They were seemingly helping homeless men to try and get on their feet. Turns out what they were actually doing, Helen and Olga, were taking life insurance policies out on homeless men and then running them over with their cars so that they could collect on the life insurance. That almost sounds as bad as King Herod. Now, it's easy to point the light and shine it on the evil of the world to shine it out there but what about when we shine it in here what do we uncover that we're probably far more like the chief priests and the teachers of the law than we'd like to admit that sometimes we are just flat out bored to tears by what the word of god said to us careless apathetic, or maybe we are more like King Herod, bent on power and greed, and unable to relinquish, relinquish control at any cost. It's a sad reality that we really do have more in common with the ignorant, apathetic chief priests and with the abominable King Herod than we do with the innocent babe of Bethlehem. We are all united in darkness, the darkness that sin has brought upon this world, and this is the darkness into which the light of the world has entered. This brings us to the one wondrous mystery we simply must behold, as our hymn writer called us when he said, come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the king. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity, in our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ, who condescended, who came down, took on flesh to ransom us. You see, God must send light to call us out of darkness, and that's exactly what What he does, he does not hold back, but he unleashes it. He sends the true light that gives light to everyone into the world, not just for Jews, but for Gentiles as well, for all people. Today, as we celebrate the festival of Epiphany, the Greek word that means to appear or to make appear, to reveal we see God make appear a special light in the sky to guide these foreign Gentile magi to the light of the world. He guides these men out of darkness into the light. And so that star that the magi saw back in the east, now they see it again. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them Until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Literally, the text says, they rejoiced greatly a great joy. They were beside themselves with joy. That's what happens when the light comes and drives out the darkness. So the magi follow the star, and on coming to the house, not the stable, the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These were gifts fit for a king, the best that they could offer for the light of the world that they had now received. So the Apostle John's words ring true about who received the king and who didn't. His own did not receive him, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Come behold the wondrous mystery that the wise men saw on that day, the King of kings and Lord of lords wrapped in human frailty. See these men bow down, sitting on the grounds next to the child who was the light of the world as they offer their gifts. And the light called them out of darkness. The light made these foreign priests, astrologers, into children of God. That, my friends, is what the true light has done for you and me as well. Gentile sinners like us. The Apostle Paul explains this mystery to us once and for all. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That is the mystery of epiphany uncovered. Jesus, a light for all people. May the true light guide us ever to himself. May that true light drive out the darkness of our sin. And may the light give us light to reflect it in the world all around us, So that everyone we know can come to share in our joy. And like those magi from the east, rejoice greatly with us in the great joy we have in Christ. Just like the angel said on Christmas Eve, bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Amen. Please stand. Hey, thank you so much for spending some time with us and worshiping with us online today. We are so glad you fed your faith through the work of Mount Olive, and we'd love to know that you fed your faith. So head on over to mountoliveappleton.com and click the online friendship register, or just click the link in the description here. It takes about one minute to fill out. Thanks so much for spending time with us. God's blessings on your day.